section twenty two of incidents of travel in central america chiapas and yucatan volume two by john lloyd steffens this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by sue anderson besides mosquitoes and garapatas or ticks we suffered from another worse insect called by the natives niguas which we are told pestered the spaniards on their first entry into the country and which says the historian quotes, ate their way into the flesh under the nails of the toes then laid their knits there within and multiplied in such manner that there was no ridding them but by cauteries so that some lost their toes and some their feet whereas they should at first have been picked out but being as yet unacquainted with the evil they knew not how to apply the remedy this description is true even to the last clause we had escaped them until our arrival at palenque and being unacquainted with the evil did not know how to apply the remedy i carried one in my foot for several days conscious that something was wrong but not knowing what until the nits had been laid and multiplied pauling undertook to pick them out with a penknife which left a large hole in the flesh and unluckily from the bites of various insects my foot became so inflamed that i could not get on shoe or stocking i was obliged to lie by and sitting an entire day with my foot in a horizontal position uncovered it was assaulted by small black flies the bites of which i did not feel at the moment of infliction but which left marks like the punctures of a hundred pins the irritation was so great and the swelling increased so much that i became alarmed and determined to return to the village it was no easy matter to get there the foot was too big to put in a stirrup and indeed to keep it but for a few moments in a hanging position made it feel as if the blood would burst through the skin and the idea of striking it against a bush makes me shudder even now it was indispensable however to leave the place i sent into the village for a mule and on the tenth day after my arrival at the ruins hopped down the terrace mounted and laid the unfortunate member on a pillow over the pommel of the saddle this gave me for that muddy road a very uncertain seat i had a man before me to cut the branches yet my hat was knocked off three or four times and twice i was obliged to dismount but in due season to my great relief we cleared the woods after the closeness and confinement of the forest coming once more into an open country quickened my pulse as i ascended to the table on which the village stood i observed an unusual degree of animation and a crowd of people in the grass-grown street probably some fifteen or twenty who seemed roused at the sight of me and presently three or four men on horseback rode toward me i had borne many different characters in that country and this time i was mistaken for three padres who were expected to arrive that morning from tumbala if the mistake had continued i should have had dinner enough for six at least 
but unluckily it was soon discovered and i rode on to the door of our old house presently the alcalde appeared with his keys in his hands and in full dress that is his shirt was inside of his pantaloons and i was happy to find that he was in a worse humor at the coming of the padres than at our arrival indeed he seemed now rather to have a leaning toward me as one who could sympathize in his vexation at the absurdity of making such a fuss about them when he saw my foot too he really showed some commiseration and endeavored to make me as comfortable as possible the swelling had increased very much i was soon on my back and lying perfectly quiet by the help of a medicine chest starvation and absence of irritating causes in two days and nights i reduced the inflammation very sensibly chapter nineteen a voice from the ruins buying bread arrival of padres cura of palenque card-playing sunday mass a dinner-party mementos of home dinner customs return to the ruins a marked change terrific thunder a whirlwind a scene of the sublime and terrible the third day i heard from the ruins a voice of wailing juan had upset the lard and every drop was gone the imploring letter i received roused all my sensibilities and forgetting everything in the emergency i hurried to the alcalde's and told him a hog must die the alcalde made difficulties and to this day i cannot account for his concealing from me a fact of which he must have been aware to wit that on the very night a porker had been killed very early the next morning i saw a boy passing with some strings of fresh pork hailed him and he guided me to a hut in the suburbs but yesterday the dwelling of the unfortunate quadruped i procured the portion of some honest palenquian and returned happy in the consciousness of making others so that day was memorable too for another piece of good fortune for a courier arrived from ciudad real with dispatches for tabasco and a backload of bread on private account as soon as the intelligence reached me i dispatched a messenger to negotiate for the whole stock unfortunately it was sweetened made up into diamonds circles and other fanciful forms about two inches long and an inch thick to be eaten with chocolate and that detestable lard was oozing out of the crust nevertheless it was bread and placing it carefully on a table with a fresh cheese the product of our cow i lay down at night full of the joy that morning would diffuse over the ruins of palenque but alas all human calculations are vain in my first sleep i was roused by a severe clap of thunder and detected an enormous cat on the table while my boot was sailing toward her with one bound she reached the wall and disappeared under the eaves of the roof i fell asleep again she returned and the consequences were fatal 
the padres were slow in movement and after keeping the village in a state of excitement for three days this morning they made a triumphal entry escorted by citizens and with a train of more than a hundred indians carrying hammocks chairs and luggage the villages of tumbala and san pedro had turned out two or three hundred strong and carried them on their backs and shoulders to nopa where they were met by a deputation from palenque and transferred to the village it is a glorious thing in that country to be a padre and next to being a padre oneself is the position of being a padre's friend in the afternoon i visited them but after the fatigues of the journey they were all asleep and the indians around the door were talking in low tones so as not to disturb them inside were enormous piles of luggage which showed the prudent care the good ecclesiastics took of themselves the siesta over very soon they appeared one after the other in dresses or rather undresses difficult to describe but certainly by no means clerical neither of them had coat or jacket two of them were the curas of tumbala and ayalon whom we had seen on our journey the third was a franciscan friar from ciudad real and they had come expressly to visit the ruins all had suffered severely from the journey the cura of ayalon was a deputy to congress and in mexico many inquiries had been made of him about the ruins on the supposition that they were in his neighborhood which erroneous supposition he mentioned with a feeling reference to the intervening mountains the padre of tumbala was a promising young man of twenty-eight and weighed at that time about twelve stone or two hundred and forty pounds a heavy load to carry about with him over such roads as they had traversed but the dominican friar suffered most and he sat sidewise in a hammock with his vest open wiping the perspiration from his breast they were all intelligent men and in fact the circumstance of their making the journey for no other purpose than to visit the ruins was alone an indication of their superior character the congressman we had seen on our way through his village and then were struck with his general knowledge and particularly with his force of character he had borne an active part in all the convulsions of the country from the time of the revolution against spain of which he had been an instigator and ever since to the scandal of the church party stood forth as a liberal he had played the soldier as well as priest laying down his blood-stained sword after a battle to confess the wounded and dying twice wounded once chronicled among the killed an exile in guatemala and with the gradual recovery of the liberal party restored to his place and sent as a deputy to congress where very soon he was to take part in new convulsions they were all startled by the stories of mosquitoes insects and reptiles at the ruins and particularly by what they had heard of the condition of my foot while we were taking chocolate the cura of palenque entered at the time of our first arrival 
he was absent at another village under his charge and i had not seen him before he was more original in his appearance than either of the others being very tall with long black hair an indian face and complexion and certainly four-fifths indian blood indeed if i had seen him in indian costume and what that is the reader by this time understands i should have taken him for a puro or indian of unmixed descent his dress was as unclerical as his appearance consisting of an old straw hat with the rim turned up before behind and at the sides so as to make four regular corners with a broad blue velvet ribbon for a hat-band both soiled by long exposure to wind and rain beneath this were a check shirt an old blue silk neckcloth with yellow stripes a striped roundabout jacket black waistcoat and pantaloons made of bed ticking not meeting the waistcoat by two inches the whole tall figure ending below in yellow buckskin shoes but under this outre appearance existed a charming simplicity and courtesy of manner and when he spoke his face beamed with kindness the reception given him showed the good feeling existing among the padres and after some general conversation the chocolate cups were removed and one of the padres went to his chest whence he produced a pack of cards which he placed upon the table he said that he always carried them with him and it was very pleasant to travel with companions as wherever they stopped they could have a game at night the cards had evidently done much service and there was something orderly and systematic in the preliminary arrangements that showed the effect of regular habits and a well-trained household an old indian servant laid on the table a handful of grains of corn and a new bundle of paper cigars the grains of corn were valued at a medio i declined joining in the game whereupon one of the reverend fathers kept aloof to entertain me and the other three sat down to monte while still taking part in the conversation very soon they became abstracted and i left them playing as earnestly as if the souls of unconverted indians were at stake i had often heard the ill-natured remark of foreigners that two padres cannot meet in that country without playing cards but it was the first time i had seen its verification perhaps i feel guilty in saying so because except on public occasions it was the first time i had ever seen two padres together before i left them the padres invited me to dine with them the next day and on returning to my own quarters i found that don santiago the gentleman who gave them the dinner and next to the prefect the principal inhabitant had called upon me with a like invitation which i need not say i accepted the next day was sunday the storm of the night had rolled away the air was soft and balmy the grass was green and not being obliged to travel i felt what the natives aver that the mornings of the rainy season were the finest in the year it was a great day for the little church at palenque the four padres were there all in their gowns and surplices all assisted in the ceremonies 
and the indians from every hut in the village went to mass this over all retired and in a few minutes the village was as quiet as ever at twelve o'clock i went to the house of don santiago to dine the three stranger padres were there and most of the guests were assembled don santiago the richest man in palenque and the most extensive merchant received us in his tienda or store which was merely a few shelves with a counter before them in one corner and his whole stock of merchandise was worth perhaps twenty or thirty dollars but don santiago was entirely a different style of man from one in such small business in this country or europe courteous in manners and intelligent for that country he was dressed in white pantaloons and red slippers a clean shirt with an embroidered bosom and suspenders which probably cost more than all the rest of his habiliments and were not to be hidden under coat and waistcoat in this place which had before seemed to me so much out of the world i was brought more directly in contact with home than at any other i visited the chair on which i sat came from new york also a small looking-glass two pieces of american cottons and the remnant of a box of vermicelli of the existence of which in the place i was not before advised the most intimate foreign relations of the inhabitants were with new york through the port of tobasco they knew a man related to a family in the village who had actually been at new york and a barrel of new york flour the bare mention of which created a yearning had once reached the place in fact new york was more familiar to them than any other part of the world except the capital don santiago had a copy of zavala's tour in the united states which except a few volumes of the lives of saints was his library and which he knew almost by heart and they had kept up with our political history so well as to know that general washington was not president but general jackson the padre of tumbala he of the two hundred and forty pounds weight was something of an exquisite in dress for that country and had brought with him his violin he was curious to know the state of musical science in my country and whether the government supported good opera companies regretted that i could not play some national airs and entertained himself and the company with several of his own in the meantime the padre of palenque was still missing but after being sent for twice made his appearance the dinner was in fact his but on account of want of conveniences in the convent from his careless housekeeping was given by his friend don santiago on his behalf and the answer of the boy sent to call him was that he had forgotten all about it he was absent and eccentric enough for a genius though he made no pretensions to that character don santiago told us that he once went to the padre's house where he found inside a cow and a calf the cura in great perplexity apologized saying that he could not help himself they would come in and considered it a capital idea when don santiago suggested to him the plan of driving them out as soon as he appeared the other padres railed him upon his forgetfulness 
which they insisted was all feigned they had won sixteen dollars of him the night before and said that he was afraid to come he answered in the same strain that he was a ruined man they offered him his revenge and forthwith the table was brought out cards and grains of corn were spread upon it as before and while the padre of tumbala played the violin the other three played monte being sunday in some places this would be considered rather irregular at least to do so with open doors would be considered setting a bad example to children and servants and in fact considering myself on a pretty sociable footing i could not help telling them that in my country they would all be read out of church the padre congressman had met an englishman in mexico who had told him the same thing and also the manner of observing the sunday in england which they all thought must be very stupid perhaps upon less ground than this the whole spanish-american priesthood has at times been denounced as a set of unprincipled gamblers but i have too warm a recollection of their many kindnesses to hold them up in this light they were all intelligent and good men who would rather do benefits than an injury in matters connected with religion they were most reverential labored diligently in their vocations and were without reproach among their people by custom and education they did not consider that they were doing wrong from my agreeable intercourse with them and my regard for their many good qualities i would fain save them from the denunciations of utter unworthiness which might be cast upon them nevertheless it is true that dinner was delayed and all the company kept waiting until they had finished their game of cards the table was set in an unoccupied house adjoining every white man in the village except the prefect and alcalde was present the former being away at his hacienda and the latter from the sneering references he made to it i suspected was not invited in all there were fifteen or sixteen and i was led to the seat of honor at the head of the table i objected but the padres seated me perforce after the gentlemen were seated it was found that by sitting close there was room for some ladies and after the arrangements for the table were completed they were invited to take seats unluckily there was only room for three who sat all together on my left in a few minutes i felt very much as if the dinner was got up expressly for me it was long since i had seen such a table and i mourned in spirit that i had not sent notice for mr catherwood to come to the village accidentally in time to get an invitation but it was too late now there was no time for reflection every moment the dinner was going in some places my position would have required me to devote myself to those on each side of me but at palenque they devoted themselves to me if i stopped a moment my plate was whipped away and another brought loaded with something else it may seem unmannerly but i watched the fate of certain dishes particularly some dulces or sweetmeats hoping they would not be entirely consumed as i proposed to secure all that should be left to take with me to the ruins 
wine was on the table which was recommended to me as coming from new york but this was not enough to induce me to taste it there was no water and by the way water is never put on the table and never drunk until after the dulces which come on as the last course when it is served in a large tumbler which passes round for each one to sip from it is entirely irregular and ill-bred to ask for water during the meal each guest as he rose from the table bowed to don santiago and said muchas gracias which i considered in bad taste and not in keeping with the delicacy of spanish courtesy as the host ought rather to thank his guests for their society than they to thank him for his dinner nevertheless as i had more reason to be thankful than any of them i conformed to the example set me after dinner my friends became drowsy and retired to siesta i found my way back to don santiago's house where in a conversation with the ladies i secured the remains of the dulces and bought out his stock of vermicelli in the morning my foot being sufficiently recovered i rode up to the house of the padres to escort them to the ruins they had passed the evening sociably at cards and again the padre of palenque was wanting we rode over to his house and waited while he secured carefully on the back of a tall horse a little boy who looked so wonderfully like him that out of respect to his obligation of celibacy people felt delicate in asking whose son he was this done he tied an extra pair of shoes behind his own saddle and we set off with the adios of all the village the padres intended to pass the night at the ruins and had a train of fifty or sixty indians loaded with beds bedding provisions sacate for the mules and multifarious articles down to a white earthen washbowl besides which more favored than we they had four or five women entering the forest we found the branches of the trees which had been trimmed on my return to the village again weighed down by the rains the streams were very bad the padres were well mounted but no horsemen dismounted very often and under my escort we got lost but at eleven o'clock very much to the satisfaction of all our long strange-looking straggling party reached the ruins the old palace was once more alive with inhabitants there was a marked change in it since i left the walls were damp the corridors wet the continued rains were working through cracks and crevices and opening leaks in the roof saddles bridles boots shoes etc were green and mildewed and the guns and pistols covered with a coat of rust mr catherwood's appearance startled me he was wan and gaunt lame like me from the bites of insects his face was swollen and his left arm hung with rheumatism as if paralyzed we sent the indians across the courtyard to the opposite corridor where the sight of our loose traps might not tempt them to their undoing and selecting a place for that purpose the carterets were set up immediately and with all the comforts of home the padres lay down for an hour's rest i had no ill will toward these worthy men 
on the contrary the most friendly feeling but to do the honors of the palace i invited them to dine with us catherwood and pawling objected and they would have done better if left to themselves but they appreciated the spirit of the invitation and returned me muchas gracias after their siesta i escorted them over the palace and left them in their apartment singularly enough that night there was no rain so that with a hat before a candle we crossed the courtyard and paid them a visit we found the three reverend gentlemen sitting on a mat on the ground winding up the day with a comfortable game at cards and the indians asleep around them the next morning with the assistance of pawling and the indians to lift and haul them i escorted them to the other buildings heard some curious speculations and at two o'clock with many expressions of good will and pressing invitations to their different convents they returned to the village late in the afternoon the storm set in with terrific thunder which at night rolled with fearful crashes against the walls while the vivid lightning flashed along the corridors the padres had laughed at us for their superior discrimination in selecting a sleeping place and this night their apartment was flooded from this time my notebook contains memoranda only on the arrival of the indians with the time that the storm set in its violence and duration the deluges of rain and the places to which we were obliged to move our beds every day our residence became more wet and uncomfortable on thursday the thirtieth of may the storm opened with a whirlwind at night the crash of falling trees rang through the forest rain fell in deluges the roaring of thunder was terrific and as we lay looking out the aspect of the ruined palace lighted up by the glare of lightning such as i never saw in this country was awfully grand in fact there was too much of the sublime and terrible the storm threatened the very existence of the building and knowing the tottering state of the walls for some moments we had apprehensions lest the whole should fall and crush us in the morning the courtyard and the ground below the palace were flooded and by this time the whole front was so wet that we were obliged to desert it and move to the other side of the corridor even here we were not much better off but we remained until mr catherwood had finished his last drawing and on saturday the first of june like rats leaving a sinking ship we broke up and left the ruins before leaving however i will present a description of the remaining buildings End of section 22.